Today, I'm airing an interview with director Laura Braza. Laura began directing at three or three and a half, when, having fallen in love with the cartoon of Robin Hood, she insisted on casting her mom and dad in various roles and creating scenes whenever she could. Listen to the delicious story of the scene she created which caused them to call a halt to the Robin Hood production. Laura started out as a director and as a risk taker and her life is full of both of those adventures. Listen to Laura describe a life in which it looks like it's a through line, but there are many departures until she finally winds up exactly where she began, where she is meant to be. So I am here with Laura Braza, who is directing Theophilus North. Theophilus North, yes. Theophilus North for the conservatory. Yes. I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. Oh, great. Uh, I don't think it's a big leap to say that you are making your life, some or all of your living, with the art of theater slash directing? Correct. Good. Okay, good. So I only ask one question, and it is, do you remember, can you tell me, when was the very first time in your life that you thought about theater, were interested in stories, thought about directing, were interested in plays, any of that? Sure. Good. I think I was about the most difficult child <laughs> that one could imagine. Um, I, I see now that I was directing from about the age of two and a half. And I just want to stop you. Yeah. It, it, I have heard this before from directors. Yeah? Yes, that they started directing very young. <laughs> we are naturally bossy. Types. Yes, yes, yes. So tell me. So um, the story that my mother loves to tell and my father hates to hear <laughs> is I got obsessed with Robin Hood, the, the cartoon, and loved it. I, was, I think I was three when it came out. And I, I insisted that everyone act out everything. And of course, I was made Marion because... <laughs> How, how glam, you know. Who, who is everyone? So, well, my mother was all the other characters. <laughs> and then my father was the Sheriff of Nottingham. And I was occasionally Robin Hood, but like a very chic Robin Hood. Um, that was, the, the glam was a, a, an important aspect to me as a three-year-old. If, if I couldn't wear a boa with it, I wasn't <laughs> terribly interested. This went on for a while, and I got more and more demanding in what I wanted from these scenes in Robin Hood over the breakfast table and whatnot. And finally, uh, my parents had to put it to a stop because one day, uh, my father was in the shower and I grabbed my piggy bank and went into the bathroom and yelled, here's your gold, Sheriff of Nottingham, and threw the piggy bank on the floor. <laughs> and it shattered and put all of the coins at his feet, which was exactly what I was going for, right? Yes. What a dramatic, beautiful moment. Yes. So right. no one was hurt. Right. Um, my father was unbelievably frustrated, and my mother couldn't speak for laughter for about <laughs> 20 minutes. Right. So I think since then, my parents have known that they've had to manage someone with a real bossy streak and a real artistic edge. To yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here we have you clearly demonstrating um, a natural inclination for, right? Okay, so what happens? Do they, do they say, oh, we better put this kid in acting classes, or they don't say anything, and you, what, what happens? You know, 
they, my parents just encouraged me by exposing me to everything. We went exposing to, you to, to plays, to art museums. My father would do this thing. Uh, he called it a buddy day where he'd take me out of school for a day. And I lived in, in Wisconsin. We'd drive down to Chicago. We'd go to the art museum. And then we'd go see a show. And it was our very special once-a-year thing. Um, how old were you when you started doing that? Seven or eight. And wow. we Yeah, right? I mean, it's they, they took my artistic education very seriously and my cultural education. Now, this is... I, I'm, I just don't see the connection. I don't see the leap. I see... Um, well, maybe I do. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, totally. I, I see the, the, this child who's very um, assertive and has fallen in love with um, making um, scenes, mm -hmm. creating stories, right? Did they understood from that that you were interested in well, the arts? I mean, it's just a... No, I think, I think what it was is yeah. they understood they had an incredibly creative, precocious, exhausting mm. child. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they loved that. Yeah, right. Um, and they loved the arts, but they were lawyers. So uh, they're not like... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, both of them, which is a, a scene unto itself, as you would imagine. Um, but so so they didn't know what to look for, even. And, you know, I don't think they ever thought that I was going to have an artistic career. Right. It wasn't like they were feeding this. No. I just think they loved the arts. Yeah, right. And they and saw you did me too. take it to right. it. And you, yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I remember going to the opera when I was six and loving it and then falling asleep and being carried out. <laughs> um, so they encouraged it in that way, um, I think, without, without knowing what they were encouraging. Yeah. Uh, it just felt right. It just felt right. Exactly. It was a thing we all loved to do together. Right. Um, and then when I was about 10 or 11, I decided I wanted to try this acting thing. So I started taking a few classes and going on some auditions for children's theaters and that kind of thing. And, you know, I slowly worked my way into the child acting game, mm -hmm. but not on any professional level, just, just for fun, you know? <laughs> the biggest thing for me was my senior year... I had grown frustrated with the drama department at my school. I just felt like it... Your senior year in high school. In high school, mm -hmm. yeah. So after a lot of research and long conversations with my parents, they supported me in switching schools to one that had a real artistic focus. So my oh, senior, Hold on, hold on. You, you switched in your senior year? I did, I did. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was like a gap year, sort of. But it was great. Um, that school was... Uh, a, an incredibly liberal Catholic school, which I, you would not see coming, but is wonderful. Their whole sixth floor was dedicated to visual arts, and the seniors, the senior artists that had sort of worked their way up, every one of them got a wall on the sixth floor wow. to do whatever they wanted. And there were practice rooms that were open to us all the time, and uh, I was, so I was in plays there, and... Well, hold on, hold on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you saying <clears throat> that... In your, as the end of your junior year, maybe, yeah. right? You were frustrated by the inability the, to get what you wanted from the school you were in. Yep. And so you decided to leave everyone you know? Yeah. And go to a place where you know no one? Yes. In order to pursue this thing? Yes. Wow. And also, you said, in the new school... Um, all the kids who have worked their way up to the senior year get a wall. You have not worked your way up no. to the... 
So you are coming into this way behind, knowing no one. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It was it was fun and really scary, honestly. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just quite impressed. I mean, yeah. because what it says so clearly is that this is the most important thing in your life. Yeah. That your friends, that your activities, that your comfort, all that stuff, never mind. This thing is more important. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's amazing. It was, it was great. And it was the right place for me. And, you know, I was sort of the mystery student, right? No one <laughs> knew what to do with me right. because that, it wasn't like people were transferring senior year. But no, I right. I think I was the first person who'd done it in a long time. And uh, so no, no one quite knew how to handle that, but I sort of figured it out. Right. Um, and there's something to, <laughs> there's really something to being, uh, having the warmth of a Midwesterner that has been a big part of my career. Ah. So I think that that really got me through a lot of people that. like you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, and I like people. Yes. Right. You know, I understand it. Right. Yeah. I, I understand it. You, you didn't come in threatening. You didn't come in like a New Yorker. No, <laughs> right. no. And, and, <laughs> right. oh. but, the, but you didn't come in with that. You came in with, I have to be here. This matters to me. Help me out. I, I want to like learn. That. I want to yeah. learn. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right, right. So from that school, I started acting very seriously and auditioned for a bunch of actor training programs. Um, okay, hold on. Mm-hmm. So you know this is what you're going to do, and you know that if you, when you go to college, you want to major in this somehow already, yes. right? Do you remember when you'd made that choice? You clearly know it as a senior, but... Yeah, I think far before it was advisable to make that choice. <laughs> I think probably around 12. I thought I wanted to be an actor because I knew I wanted to tell stories, right? Uh Um, But I also thought, like, I would love to run a theater company where I tell some stories and some people tell stories, and maybe I'll do a theater company with all teenagers, and then that's now no longer of interest to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when I was a teenager, that was the idea, you know? Um, But I think I've always been interested in collaborating with people at my level and above my level. Right. to tell stories. Okay. All right. So now you're considering where to go to school. Mm-hmm. And? And uh, so I auditioned for a bunch of different schools, and that went very well. Uh, got into NYU and uh, was just dying to get out of Wisconsin. I wanted to be a New Yorker so badly. <laughs> so I was in a conservatory program to be an actor. And in the first six or seven weeks... I got into a couple of big arguments with teachers. Uh, sort of knock down, drag out, what does Amanda Wingfield want in Glass wow. Menagerie? Um, and I, I think that they were um, massively patient with me. When I look back, having now taught students <laughs> of this age, right? Um, because of course, they had a wealth of experience yes, and information right. and knowledge, and I just thought I knew everything. But bless them, they stuck with me. But I was just frustrated. I was frustrated with everything. And so I decided I'm gonna leave this, and I'm gonna go into Shakespeare English literature studies. Goodness. And I'll become a Shakespeare professor. Shakespeare is, I didn't say this before, but Shakespeare is really what got me in the game. My mom, she's such a cool lady. One of the things that she did is she would tell me stories for bedtime stories that were, I didn't realize, but were plots to Shakespeare plays. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when I first read Macbeth, for example, you already knew I was it. like, oh, right, then she washes her hands, but she can't get the blood off. 
I know this story. Um, so that let me read Shakespeare at a really young age. I started reading Shakespeare at around 10 and had gone through the whole canon by 12 and was, I, I'm not sure how much I understood. You know, it's, I, I'm not sure how advanced I was in it. I just knew that I loved it. Right. Uh, and I wanted to read as much as I could. So then I started reading Harold Bloom's Invention of the Human and what does he think about Shakespeare? And I got what I could out of that. And I remember my mom buying that for me when I was 12 and it was my most favorite possession. You, at this point, think, this is more, more problem than I want at this yeah, time. Yeah. Let me go over here where I really can feel comfortable. Yes. And bless these conservatory professors, they sort of pulled me aside and said, we think you're not an actor. We think you're a director. And I was like, well, I'm leaving. And they were like, what if you didn't? What if you stayed? And we created, we sort of worked to create a program for you wow. where you would take the acting classes. You would do the sort of minimum requirements. But then you would also get to direct. So you direct every, I, I, I ended up sort of directing every scene that came through my studio. Um, so, so students would work on a scene for a while, then they'd come to me and I'd say, oh, what if you sat in this moment? And uh, I think we need a fan here and things like that. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? I was just so hungry at this time. So there was a, at, at Tisch at NYU, there was a ninth floor that was totally under repairs. Um, they were building a new wing or a new floor or whatever for the, for the film and television studio. And we figured out a way to jimmy the lock and would go into this, like, essentially construction site and we put together uh, the seagull, Anton Chekhov's The Seagull, in scenes. So we did the whole play but in individual scenes with different people playing different parts uh, because we had a Chekhov class and I was like, I, I want to work on this. So we ended up pulling in a bunch of different people and put this thing together, and I think that's when I was really like, I, I'm starting to see it. I, st I start to see what they're talking about with this directing thing. So that was my sophomore year. And from there, I did a junior year in the acting studio, sort of under the same auspices, um, which was great. I'm so glad I took that time to learn how to be an actor. I actually make a point to every three to four years take an acting class, usually in Shakespeare, just because I, I feel like I need to remember how hard it is to do what I ask actors to do every morning at 10 a.m. before they've had their coffee, you know? It's just a helpful perspective to, to really hold in the forefront. So I did that the second half of my, uh, my junior year I had a sort of crisis of faith and I left school and went into a program in Spain to study uh, Cervantes and Spanish literature. That was amazing because what I learned there is I thought I got to go get away from all of this. I just I, I I'm a very dramatic 21 year old and I need a, <laughs> a break. fresh start. Yes, right. Um, and within two weeks I was back at the theater all the time. So I saw I saw a ton of plays in Spanish and a lot of plays in English. But I also got to travel and see plays in languages that I didn't speak at all. So I'd, I'd see plays in German and Czech, and it was, um, that was huge for me. Because watching storytelling without the benefit of language. all of the language was incredible. Um, and I remember I'd go to some plays and think, oh my god, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> 
I just haven't a clue. I do not know what that play was about. And other ones, I'd be like, I've never been so moved by a story before. So that was very cool. And I saw, I sort of decided that I couldn't avoid this life when I went to Ireland. And Selena Cartmel at the Gate Theatre had directed Sweeney Todd in the most beautiful, simple, artful production. Um, it was one of these things where she mixed these very sort of uh, punk aesthetics and uh, almost avant-garde aesthetics with just really simple stagecraft. And I was at a level where I could, I think, appreciate what she was doing. And I was like, this, I want to do this. Um, so I got back to New York. I took an internship as a, an assistant production manager. Well, I took an internship for production management, which I straight out lied to get. They asked if I'd had any experience hanging lights, and I said yes. And they asked if I knew anything about sound equipment, and I said yes, thinking in my arrogant 21-year-old way, like, I can figure it out, right? I'm a smart girl. Um, well, the production manager broke her leg. 30-day uh, festival where there were two different plays every day. So the production manager broke her leg. So the assistant production manager got bumped up to production manager, and I got bumped up to assistant. So that was a fascinating experience. <laughs> um, I, I remember very clearly one day coming in at, with a bunch of electricians ready to hang lights, and I guess I was in charge that day, sort of. And they sort of looked at me and were like, what's... What's first? And I went into the bathroom. I said, I have to go to the bathroom. Went into the bathroom. I said, you have 30 seconds to cry. <laughs> and I cried for 30 seconds. And then I was like, okay, time to learn a whole bunch. Um, and I went out and I said, well, where, where do you guys think we should start? <laughs> and I sort of, like, I'm not sure I convincingly faked my way through, but these people were kind and uh, incredibly forgiving. And they taught me a ton about this. <laughs> so I sort of accidentally learned a bunch of other aspects of production. And I realized when I'd seen this play and then done this internship that the next thing I really needed to learn was all of the other elements of stagecraft. I had a really good sense of acting and I, I had a decent sense of directing. I mean, I, the, the way that NYU works is you're supposed to have three years of a studio, uh, of a conservatory program, and then a fourth year sort of of your choosing to round out your education. So I decided to go into the tech school, basically, um, and struck a deal with their wonderful dean and took a semester of stage management and then took all of the intro classes for lighting, sound, that kind of thing. And that was amazing for me because all of a sudden I just learned enough to know what questions to ask, yeah. you know. I was sort of armed with all of this and I saw, I went to a talk by Carl Forsman, uh, who was then the artistic director of Keen Company, who talked about his vision for his small theater company, which was just that the, the 90s and early aughts, cynical theater was very in vogue. And he said, I really believe in people, and I believe in the power of humanity and hope and heart and humor. Um, I think those words are in his mission statement somewhere. And I just decided I'm going to work for this guy. So I figured out a way to email him and said, can I come stop, stamp envelopes? And within the year, I had become the company manager of that company. Wow. 
and uh, stayed there for a couple of years. But I did, I assisted him with almost all of his productions and I assisted a bunch of other people and really started to learn the craft of professional directing, which was the piece that I think I was really missing. Um, and then after that, I just, you know, got along to get along. I, start, I started a theater company with some friends uh, and that did very well. It's interesting, that theater company is actually coming to an end now um, because about two weeks before I came down to Sarasota, uh, I learned that I'm going to be the new artistic producer of the Milwaukee Repertory Theater. Wow. Yeah, which is incredibly <laughs> exciting. <laughs> and a bizarre circle because I was running so hard away from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And now I'm right back there. Um, but I'm, I'm beyond excited about it. Um, I'll get to continue to direct, but I'll also get to basically help with every part of the process of getting all of their other... 14 plays a year. And this was one of your early d dreams. It really was. Have, right? Yeah. Right, right. Um, and it's, you know, it's really probably one step away from my true dream job, which is the artistic director of a big theater, like the Oslo, like yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I am totally delighted. So I found out, and it, it all happened very fast, that I've lived in New York for 15 years. And now I'm going home. <laughs> so I will go from being the most polite New Yorker to the <laughs> rudest Midwesterner. Because um, I can't seem to catch a break I either know, way. I know, it's great. Um, and this play opens next Thursday, and I start that job the Monday after that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Let's talk about the play. Sure. Yeah, yeah I'd love to. So this, this play is fascinating. It is based on a novel by Thornton Wilder of Our Town and Skin of Our Teeth and Matchmaker, which is the, uh, the source material for Hello, Hello Dolly. Dolly. Thornton Wilder was a fascinating character. He was a real observer of human life and I think a, a sensitive and delicate soul. Um, he was born a twin and his twin did not survive. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I... I can't figure out if he was stillborn or died within the hour. There's different accounts. Um, but that twin would have been named Theophilus. So Thornton carried with him this pretty intense survivor's guilt and yes. awareness throughout his life. Well, and something else, too, loss. Yes, exactly, yeah. which I think made him, a, made him or, or helped him be of what he was. The last novel that he wrote was called Theophilus North. And it was the memoirs of his brother, Had He Lived. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful, right? It's really beautiful. When it came out, it, it sort of ran the gamut with reviews, but a lot of people called it fluff. And that's fascinating to me. I, I just think they missed the mark. I was just going to say they missed it. Right? They just missed it, right? Um, it is a play that is so much about fear and avoidance of who we are. And how we will run from our own identity so desperately. And no matter how far we run, there we, we are. We outrun it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so all of the characters in Theophilus North are doing that. They are avoiding in some way a reality of their existence in themselves. Um, I think Theophilus most of all. You know, the play starts with him quitting his job as a school teacher and deciding to travel the world. So he buys this used car and decides, I'll go north and explore everything that is north from, New from his home, New Jersey. 
He makes it 180 miles. His car breaks down in Newport, Rhode Island, and all he can do is afford to rent a bicycle and make some more money to get to the next place. So his, his, the scope of his adventure goes from conquering the world to earning a little bit of pocket money in Rhode Island very quickly. Um, and, but he's determined to find adventure everywhere. And I think he does what I know I have done as a young person, um, which is confuse adventure and connection. To me, like the real adventure and the real risk is in connection between another human yeah. and, and yourself. But he wants adventure without risk. <laughs> so he'll just continue to go. And the other thing he, I think he confuses is the idea of um, depth of experience and place. Ah. That if only I was in Egypt, yes. then I would have a real experience, you know? Um, so this is really a play about him learning that wherever you go, there you are, and actually that there's a whole life to be had where you wherever are. Wherever you are. Exactly, right. exactly. So, and he meets, so he meets all of these, and all of them have a problem that he's like, I can help solve. And so he starts taking on these assignments, and of course he gets invested, right? And it's about him figuring out that, A, he might not be an adventurer, he might actually be a writer, which you will see a bit of autobiography there uh, with Thornton. Also that adventure might not be movement, but instead might be yeah, it's, it's, so it's a lovely play, and it's a lovely book, but I think to, to see it as fluff really misses the point, which is that we're all so afraid of things. So yeah, it's about how frightening loneliness is and how hard risk is, how hard genuine risk is to actually risk some piece of yourself in connecting with another human. And on the other hand, how necessary that is. Yes, yeah, right. I think that... Thornton would argue that that is the path forward. I only have one other question, and it is, having spent a life invested in story, mm -hmm. because that is what it seems, from Robin Hood and the passionate desire to create stories, you have, if not a through line, a line that winds up through. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. You know, what would you say about what that's like, what it means to you, what you have to say about it? Sure. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that mm -hmm. I think are interesting about this career. Um, one is that it involves an incredible amount of both bravery and honest self-reflection, uh, which is hard because... It's, it's, so, it's so easy to not take risks on stage. But what I'm asking actors to do, of course, is come on stage and want things desperately and try to get them, really try. And so if I am not being brave in trying new things, in throwing up you know, something that doesn't work and starting anew, um, then I'm not doing my job to help them do theirs. You know, And I think that I take that really seriously. I take what I ask an actor to do really seriously, and I think that I owe that to them. So that's a, that's a piece of it. The other is that it's a... The career path seems to be 
two elements, as far as I can tell. It is saying yes to opportunities that present themselves to you um, and following the shiny things. Like, whatever it is that... I, I'm very magpie-like in my... <laughs> I mean, you can tell in, in sort of my history that, like, I like to grab a bunch of different pieces of information. I'm like this with art history. I'm like this with history. Um, I'm like this with pop psychology. <laughs> I like to just grab a, a bunch of theories and sort of put them together in my own world experience and apply them. Um, I've, I do a lot of plays where I will take a particular artist and a particular uh, composer and say, this is what this play is, and let's meld those two things. That's the thing with this, is it's, it's taking a lot of things that sound like bad ideas and really saying, well, I'm still interested, let's see how far we can take this. Um, it's a risk. It's a risk. It's, you gotta be really brave. I'm, I'm thinking that, that the, the little girl who threw her piggyback on the, you know, at her father's shower probably knew she was taking a risk. Oh, yeah, she wasn't afraid of anything, <laughs> yes, though. Right, oh, right, get right, me right. back there. Right, right, exactly. So I think that this is how you started life. Mm-hmm. This, this, is, this is the through line in yeah. your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually think that's a great place to stop. Thank you so great. much, Laura. Well, thank you. 